Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 2, Episode 18, for May 31st, 2018. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based here in Nashville, Tennessee. Our sponsor for This Week in Voice, as well as the Voice First Roundtable, two of our shows on Voice First FM, is Voice XP, the St. Louis, Missouri-based developer of voice experiences. If you need help or your organization needs help creating a voice experience, be it an Alexa skill, be it a Google Home Action, whatever it may be, if you just need somebody to hold your hand and lead you into this new and exciting realm of voice technology, more properly voice-first technology, I would highly suggest reaching out to our friends at Voice XP. You can go to voicexp.com. Or you can look up Bob Stolzberg, Mark Tucker, Body Snyder, any of their crew on LinkedIn. Reach out to them. Have a conversation. You'll be very glad that you did. We have a very special episode today. This is a special Voice of Healthcare Summit edition of This Week in Voice. We have a panel that specifically deals with the growing intersection of healthcare and voice technology, both of which will be speaking at the upcoming Voice of Healthcare Summit taking place Tuesday, August the 7th, on the campus of Harvard Medical School. Our first guest today is Lori Orlov. Lori, say hello. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining us. Uh, great, very grateful to have you. So, Lori, you are Principal Analyst for Aging in Place Technology Watch. Share with us a little bit about what you do and what Aging in Place Technology Watch is. So I'm an industry analyst, and I've picked an industry segment, which is the market of technologies that can serve an older adult population. Uh, This is my ninth year doing this. Uh, Prior to this, I was an industry analyst in market research at Forrester Research, and prior to that, I was a CIO, and I was in IT for many years. Um, But I picked this particular segment because, um, first of all, at the point I started in it nine years ago, it was bereft of really useful technologies for older adults, and they were never integrated into any form of solution. And I said, well, that sounds like an industry that's ripe for an analyst. So that's what I do. I write market research reports. I give strategy advice. I give speeches. I do webinars and all the things that analysts do. Your website is excellent. You have certainly cornered this particular niche of voice technology. It's awesome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Our second guest today is Nate Trelore, President and CEO of Orbita. Nate, say hello. Hey, Bradley. Good to be with you again on this show. Nate, thank you for joining us. So share with us a little bit about what you do for Orbita and what Orbita does for everybody. Well, I'm one of the uh, co-founders and uh, president and CEO of Orbita. So um, like anybody in that role, I carry uh, a lot of responsibilities or a lot of hats. But uh, Orbita is a software technology company working in the healthcare sector with organizations across the industry to help them tap the power of voice and next generation conversational technologies like chatbots and others with a primary mission to help them improve patient engagement, um, particularly in digital health, where there are hundreds of thousands of apps that are out there, tens of thousands of devices, uh, but still a big challenge in improving the way 
patients are able to engage with these technologies, particularly those patients that for one reason or another can't use traditional technologies like smartphones or tablets. And I'm speaking of the elderly or vision impaired and other folks who for cognitive or um, physical reasons are, are challenged. And we see the potential of voice as really transforming the care for individuals like that by providing a way for them to essentially access the same technologies and tools that we can we can all access through digital healthcare solutions um, with the power of their voice. So that's what we do. We we work with payers and and pharma's and providers, primarily business to business, enabling solutions that they're taking to their patients and members. With that. We will get to the news. And our first article for the Voice of Healthcare Summit edition of This Week in Voice is from Healthcare IT. And it's a broad look at the topic. Is AI set to transform the future of healthcare? Nate, uh, I know this is right up your alley. Um, I want to, to ask you specifically for your thoughts on this. Are we at the point at which AI and sort of the you know underlying voice is ready to really impact healthcare in the way that this article lays out? Give me your thoughts just broadly about the future of AI in healthcare. I think it's easy enough to say that it is set to transform healthcare. I do believe it will. It's always a matter of time and, and uh, degrees. But what's interesting about where we are, particularly as it relates to the application of AI and, and other related technologies for voice applications, which is where my, my company focuses, is that we've really seen a, an incredible advance in the power of these technologies just in the last few years. And when it comes down to brass tacks, the way you measure um, the power of AI for voice-assistive technologies is whether or not a um, a technology for recognizing what a person is saying is as accurate or as close to, to accurate as what a human would be able to do. And um, just in the last few years, you know, the the big companies like Google and, and Microsoft and Amazon and, and, and even Apple are showing incredible progress in the effectiveness of their voice recognition technologies. And that has a translation all the way down into very specific use cases in healthcare, whether it's a simple application like a, a, a voice skill on the uh, Amazon Alexa platform that uh, people, many people are using in their own homes to be able to recognize what somebody's saying with accuracy, or in um, a more precise use case for um, medical transcription, a physician in the, in the office trying to just uh, transcribe their notes from a patient visit, that technology has advanced considerably to be able to accurately recognize what's being said. And the implications for that are, are broad-reaching because, like I said at the beginning, if you can more accurately recognize the needs of a patient as they just express them through a, the, the use of their own voice, the more you can kind of reduce the barrier of engagement, the friction for engaging with that patient. So that's where the real power of AI is coming forward in, in the domains that we play in, which is really around voice and voice applications. Outside that, for analyzing data, it's not really my expertise, but the same technologies, these big data solutions that are available for analyzing huge amounts of data um, to derive um, models and conclusions are really, really advanced and becoming more advanced on a, on a blistering pace. So I think we'll see applications of AI 
that run the gamut from the voice technology solutions that we specialize in to things that are way beyond uh, certainly what I have awareness of, um, genome and analysis and other things like that. Um, one of the things that we hope will happen as a result of the aggregation of so much data about um, our inquiries and results of our inquiries is that we could predict um, negative outcomes uh, that might happen before they do happen. So if we can detect changes in voice, for example, over time, this is one of the hopes with voice-first technology is that once a, um, a technology is trained on your voice, it could possibly detect changes in your voice over time. It could detect changes in, way, in ways you answer questions. Um, it could provide answers to questions uh, if there's an appropriate connected database that could help you uh, learn what it is you need before calling the doctor's office. Just the way we do that search now online and with a PC, we could ask questions and get answers. But I think predictive analytics actually about uh, future risk and problems is uh, the big opportunity related to uh, AI and uh, big data. No, that's great. And, uh, and that actually reminds me of something that I, I want to ask you about, Lori, that uh, I think it came up on the Voice of Healthcare podcast in one of our episodes of that show. There was a group that was developing technology, and this will segue well into our second story, I think, uh, about whether Alexa is ready for healthcare or not. But I want to ask you specifically about uh, this concept. There is a company that was looking at using voice-first technology and having a smart speaker in the home or maybe a, uh, an array of smart speakers that would serve as a security mechanism that um, basically would listen to your house and, and establish benchmark baseline levels of audio and, and uh, apply AI in different ways to the audio that's going on in your house for the purpose of then being able to determine, okay, we just heard glass breaking and we never hear that. So you probably got a problem. You yeah. know, we're, he we're hearing a bunch of noise that we don't normally hear. You probably have a problem, you know, or whatever. Uh, and and the, the discussion that we had about this technology was just sort of one step removed about senior citizens and how it could be applied to senior citizens to where, okay, um, you've got a senior citizen living at home. We know that we hear, you know, the refrigerator open a certain number, you know, 2.3 times a day. We hear the bathroom, you know, 3.1 times a day. You know, we hear this person generally moving about from the time period of 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And today we've heard none of those things. Uh, we've heard nothing. So we probably have a problem. Um, does that sort of technology, do you, do you think that's a realistic use case? What, what are your thoughts on that application? Well, this has been tried for years and years with motion sensors, okay? Um, the idea is you can attach a motion sensing device to a refrigerator or to a doorway, and you'd be, be able to know if someone passed the door or opened the refrigerator. Um, Despite some players uh, reincarnating themselves and reentering that market on a regular basis, that technology category really never took off. And I really think that unless it's part of a home security system, in which case you've really got it set up so that it can detect fire, flood, and uh, the sound of you yelling, help. <laughs> the sound of your home sounds like a good idea, but you might have gone on vacation. Actually, that was one of the issues with sensor technology many years ago, 2008 or 2009 is uh, Mrs. Smith went on vacation, and she didn't tell anybody who was monitoring 
I don't think this is going to be uh, appropriate for voice technologies or AI for that matter. Knowing your home and saying something's changed in it is a leap of assumption <laughs> about your life. And you probably wouldn't want to have that done with your home. And I would say, despite the fact that it might be useful for older adults, I don't think, you know, it really beats having a purse pendant around your neck or something else, uh, a fall detector or something that would indicate that you had a problem. This is an area where AI is its one of the technology spaces where the technology is actually ahead of the applications. And I'll give you a very specific example. There are technologies out there that are kind of AI-based, which is, is just a fancy way of saying that they, uh, they, they've been based on learning models where example audio, for example, is, is incorporated into a model where it can recognize things like uh, certain changes in the pattern of way somebody speaks to the point where the claim among these researchers is that they can recognize when somebody is depressed versus in a normal mood. Or they can recognize when somebody, uh, there's a likelihood of stroke or, um, or even heart attack based on changes in the pattern of the way they speak. And this is based on models of learning uh, on large data sets where um, the acoustic properties of the spoken word uh, inform that model. And it, it goes well beyond just uh, the voice and the spoken word. They're able to recognize uh, the sound of a refrigerator opening or a bag of potato chips opening. I've even heard, and I don't know if this is a, an apocryphal story, but I've even heard they can recognize the brand of the refrigerator based on the sound it makes and the sound of the motor. And this level of understanding and, and, and detail of voice analytics suggests potential for how these technologies can be applied in some of these more mundane but important use cases of remote patient monitoring and other things like that. So I think we're, we're scratching the surface of that. The technology is there. Um, it's based on you know, very large data sets and learning uh, information on acoustic properties. But where you know, the rubber meets the road is the applications. And um, you know, usability, as Laurie said, is first and foremost. Anything that's going to be kind of perceived as uh, invasion of privacy or um, just not usable for various reasons or another. It doesn't matter how smart the technology is if it can't be applied. Yeah, that's great commentary all the way around. And that's a good segue into story number two, which is a two-parter. Story 2A, why Alexa's next move is into healthcare. Story 2B, Amazon Alexa isn't ready for healthcare. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, clearly I wanted to sort of set up a uh, framework for, uh, for our panel today to be able to express an opinion uh, which way or the other that, uh, that they believe. And Laurie, I want to start with you. Do you believe Alexa is ready for health care? Do you believe that Alexa is currently not ready for health care? And, and share, your, share your thoughts on that. Well, I think healthcare is a really broad term. Um, I think Alexa is ready to assist with wellness. Um, and if wellness involves um, setting up a calendar and having reminders surface um, at appropriate times of day to suggest that you take your medications or suggest that you have some food or um, something along those lines, then in terms of wellness and well-being, I'd say Alexa is quite useful now if it's used in that context. Healthcare is the term that a lot of people use to 
equate to healthcare delivery, um, which would be access to doctors and healthcare services, uh, clinics, hospitals, um, those kinds of things. I absolutely do not think uh, anything about Alexa is ready for healthcare in that sense. You know, it's still prone to misunderstandings, mistakes, not ready for prime time. That story that you posted about it not being ready for prime time is just one of the many examples of opportunities for misunderstanding. One would like to think that tech companies and healthcare providers would be extremely cautious about the context, um, but reminding you to take your meds, perfectly good use. That's a really interesting distinction to make between wellness and healthcare because, you know, that uh, for the layperson like myself, you're right. I just sort of say healthcare, and that just means everything about everything, and um, and really getting in there and, and making distinctions between different components of that. I think is critical. That's that's excellent. Nate, what are your thoughts on whether Alexa is ready for prime time, not ready for prime time? What it might take? What do you what do you think? Yeah, I'll echo what Laurie said. I think that there's a spectrum of solutions from wellness to clinical healthcare. That where the answer varies depending on what kind of where you set your sights. Kind of looking to more clinical use case, clinical healthcare use cases. Alexa is a platform. It's not a pr- complete solution. It's a platform that is designed to allow developers like you know my company, Orbita, and others to build experiences that take advantage of voice and voice assistive uh, technology. So you can build, like any platform, you can build crappy applications and you can build great ones. And so to, to Lori's point, if Alexa is not handling or recognizing what the user is saying, the utterance, to use the parlance, it's not necessarily Alexa's fault. It can be the developer's problem of not being able to have a voice deployment of Alexa that is recognizing all the things that the application needs to recognize. So if somebody says, I'm feeling dizzy, you know, the application thinks it's I'm feeling Disney. <laughs> that's not a good experience, right? And uh, that's a real example, by the way. Um, and, really? uh, and, yeah. I mean, and if you, if you just used it out of the box and, and didn't do any tuning of the voice experience, then you're going to have a poor experience for the end user. So saying is Alexa ready or not is sort of conditional. The response to that question is conditional depending on how much energy you put into building a proper Alexa application, Alexa skill or an experience. So I, I would say, and based on our experience, you can build good clinical applications with Alexa if you spend the time designing the experience properly. And that includes you know, the basic ones like medication reminders, uh, scheduling, um, question answering experiences, assessment surveys. That's a common one. You know, how are you feeling today? I feel like crap. Um, you know, what does that actually mean from the context of a clinical application? Um, it's up to the designer of the application and uh, how you respond to an ambiguous response like that is up to the designer of the application and you can make it do anything. That's the power of a platform like Alexa or Google Assistant or other platforms. Um, so I think it is ready, and the technology is not the problem. It's the implementations and, and, and making sure you do it right. The other challenge that kind of puts Alexa sort of behind the eight ball still is protected health information, PHI data. Um, Alexa and the Amazon platform for that is Alexa is not 
uh, HIPAA compliant. And so what basically means that Amazon will not sign a business associates agreement, a BAA, which is a requirement to claim compliance with the HIPAA, HIPAA regulations. So any covered entity, a provider, a payer, anybody in that category cannot use it for any applications that involve protected health information. That's just a regulatory limitation. Will Amazon address that at some point in time? We do expect that they will. Uh, be, they'd be foolish not to. I don't have any special insight into their product plans, but I'm, I'm quite sure that they will address that. They did with their web services some years back, and they'll do it with Alexa. There are some nuances that they have to work through, but there will be a solution for that. And then, and I do think we'll start to see Amazon specifically on their Alexa platform being a player in uh, healthcare, not just wellness applications. Like Lori said, you can use it for wellness now. You can go to Amazon Alexa and use your Echo device and ask questions like, how do I treat a sunburn? And the answers are out there. So basic wellness and basic applications like that are available now. But getting into clinical settings, um, remote patient care, connecting it with electronic medical records, all possible. But it's going to be a little while. I think this year, from our experience, is the year of the prototypes and pilots. Next year, uh, we'll start to see uh, some of those move into more kind of production-ready implementations. Not necessarily on Alexa out of the gate. It might be at some of the lower-level technologies and some other voice-assisted technologies from other vendors that will, will lead the way. But um, we'll see what Amazon comes up with with Alexa specifically. Well, and that ties into just a follow-up question uh, for whoever might like to posit a theory. Um, what do you think that Amazon's about to do in the healthcare space? They've been very secretive. Uh, well, any any thoughts? I don't have thoughts about what they're about to do in the healthcare space. If we think of healthcare in, as healthcare delivery, I have no thoughts about that. I'm sure they're talking to lots of folks. Uh, they have uh, got announced activities going on with a variety of organizations that will have interest in the space. Uh, so, you know, they do have uh, folks talking at ARP, and ARP's interest is in the health of older adults. How that comes out, that could turn out to be more like wellness and less like healthcare delivery, but I know they're very interested, and they are forming partnerships here, there, and everywhere. Um, that particular partnership was leaked by ARP itself. <laughs> so, uh, so, anyway... I, I'd say uh, there's more to come in that space. That's perfect. That's great commentary all the way around. And it touches on um, an episode of the Voice of Healthcare that we just recorded this week with Rowena Track, who will also be speaking at the Voice of Healthcare Summit, taking place in August in Boston. Um, she is the global vice president of Cigna and the driving force behind Cigna's Alexa skill, uh, which has gotten a lot of publicity called Answers by Cigna. And what Rowena basically said about that was, look, you know, yeah, this, there's only certain things we can do with this right now, sort of echoing, you know, what both, both of y'all have said, um, you know, there's only so much we can do with this right now. We're going to do answers by Cigna. We're going to roll that out. It's going to be an informational type of thing. And that's going to give us the, the learning and the knowledge and the experience that when this does become HIPAA compliant and other doors start to open, then we'll be prepared to walk through them. I think that that's, that was interesting sort of insight that ties very much into what, what I hear y'all saying about sort of the status of Amazon and that ecosystem right now. That's, that's excellent. 
Moving on to story number three for this episode, Suki raises $20 million to create a voice assistant for doctors. And this entire technology sort of centers around doctors being able to um, reduce the time they take to manage records, create records, transcribe notes, and, and all those things that sort of eat into their daily existence. Nate, I want to start with you. With what Suki is doing, um, does this impress you? Do you, do you think that this, there's a fit for this um, outside of Amazon and Google and Apple? Um, what, what were your thoughts as you, as you sort of looked at this and learned about what this company is doing? The hope and promise of uh, hands-free voice-assisted transcription and, and interfaces like what Suki's doing have been around for quite a while. You know, the big guys like Nuance um, offer voice transcription services and have been for years. I think the the application, if I understand what Suki's trying to do, is to take that into, uh, you know, pre-surgery settings where a surgeon who's washed up can ask questions and record information through the um, preparatory process and, and maybe even during surgery relative to the patient at hand. And the ability to record notes hands-free, but also access information is the holy grail. I mean, you ask any physician what they would like to have most in this new electronic medical world um, is to not have to sit with their laptop or their tablet entering information or typing in uh, questions to get answers back. And uh, if they could do that uh, in a hands-free way, it would save huge amounts of time, make them much more effective in their jobs, you know, save a lot of money in the healthcare system. You know, the, the, the current solution right now for a lot of these folks who are dealing with uh, kind of electronic information capture and access is often to have a, a scribe, a person in the room whose sole job is to, to going to capture that information. My sister is a physician, a dermatologist, and in her small practice, she actually has somebody often in the room with her, who is a, you know, an intern or assistant whose sole job is to record the notes for the conversation with a patient and to look up information that's often just on Google about contraindications and other things that are relevant for that particular visit. It's such a burden to do it in this new electronic world to record this thing, you know, and they're now obligated to do that, that it's worth investing in having another human in the room just to make it easier. So replacing a human with a voice assistive technology has a lot of promise. And, and so I think what, there's a good reason why Suki got the investment that they did. Yeah, I mean, the doctor often is looking at the screen and not at you. And so in this case, if they have a person in the room transcribing what's going on, the doctor can pay attention, especially a dermatologist can pay attention to the patient who is right. all about, you know, the way they look and uh, and so forth. Um the problem with, again, if we're having trouble getting accurate answers to questions using voice interfaces, depending on how we've been heard, um, it's hard for me to believe. And, and with the requirements for these very detailed and historical record-keeping systems out there, like electronic health records, I think really this is almost like after the patient has left the room or before the patient gets there, opportunity to use smart voice assistants, you would not want to see the kind of trial and error going on in the room that we're already having uh, with accuracy, especially if the doctor has any form of accent. And uh, if, if the uh, symptoms, in fact, 
multiple symptoms sound alike, but they actually are different. I, I just feel like there'd be a ways to go in this. Not to sound skeptical. I, mean, I, I think it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's right to be skeptical about these technologies at this stage. But like I said a little while ago, it's advanced so much in the last few yeah. years. Um, you know how much it will continue that pace of it, uh, acceleration, be be able to handle vagaries in English language and approach, you know, what a human can recognize and access. Uh, we'll see. Um, but it's it is pretty pretty damn good, and it's going to get better. Um, I, you know, so I I think those error rates will continue to go down. Um, question is when will they reach? essentially parity with what a human assistant can do. Human assistants make mistakes too, by the way. That's true. It's, Otherwise, we'd have no medical errors. <laughs> sure. Well, it's interesting from a layperson's perspective. You know, as I talk about in co-hosting the Voice of Healthcare podcast, you know, I, I don't know very much about the healthcare industry, but I have received healthcare. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I have opinions on things just related to sort of watching things from afar. And it seems like, it seems like, boy, have we been talking about note taking and technology helping note taking and record keeping in healthcare for a long time. Boy, yeah. we've been talking about that for a long time. The idea of <laughs> the, the, the notion that the reaction of a doctor, like you're referring to, Nate, um, the, the reaction of a doctor, you know, in response to electronic requirements in this technolo technological age that we live in, the, the response that that necessitates by the doctor is hiring another human. <laughs> is pretty much the ultimate indictment uh, that we aren't quite there yet. And, and you're, I totally agree. We're, we're well on our way, but uh, you know, hopefully it will get to the point where this technology will not require having another human being in there to make sure that everything takes place properly. That's the whole point is that the, the use cases are going to be different, right? And even within healthcare, like we talked about before, you can ask questions right now of Alexa about how to treat a sunburn. And it works pretty well for basic things like that. Taking it into a clinical setting where a patient is just speaking with their patient or physician or vice versa, and the agent, the voice-assistive technology, is just listening to the conversation and providing insights and additional data and answering questions and recording facts um, behind the scenes or in a complementary fashion to the physician's interaction with the patient. Um, it's not like we're, we're, you know, we could make the case that we're at some sort of in technical inflection point where even though we've been trying to do this and technology has been trying to solve this problem for years so that we may be at an inflection point because of the accuracy uh, and, and of these technologies. But I don't think we're going to wake up one day and say, hey, problem solved, because um, for for a lot of reasons, it may work for one scenario, for one clinician in a certain case perfectly, and in another case, not very well at all. And um, so I think we're going to see progress. The big measure is if you deploy a solution like this in a physician's office or in a clinic, um, and they start using it, and then you try to take it away, will they be mad if you try to take it away? That's sort of the measure yeah. of success. And, yeah, that um, would be one. Yeah. Yes. 
that would be one of them, right? I don't think we we we've seen that quite yet with the kinds of things that Suki is trying to do. Will we see it in the next five years? I would not be surprised to see um, a successful deployment where that proof point is realized um, around a technology similar to what Suki is trying to do within five years, maybe sooner. Well, one of the things that would be really great is if the morale of doctors improved. <laughs> yeah, that'd be another right. measure because you know doctors are at this point feeling fairly clerical uh, in their yep. practices and have complained publicly to just about anybody who will listen. Amazingly, with the electronic health record implementations that we have so far throughout the health system, uh, we have not figured out a way to improve the doctor's morale by giving them really streamlined ways of both putting in information, but there's also getting information out. Um, so when yeah. the doctor perks up and says, I'm really enjoying being a doctor again, and I'm telling my kids they should be doctors too, <laughs> you know, then we know we've uh, solved a sure. mission accomplished. <laughs> that's right on. Yeah, you're, you're right. Um, that's, that's great commentary uh, all the way around on that. And I think the only thing I will, I will add just to close that thought is Suki or, or companies like Suki, I'm fascinated just with voice in general, because here we've got a company that is doing something extremely specific and in other sectors of voice that are emerging, be it, um, you know, what Amy Stapleton's doing with Telebulls and what people are doing with interactive fiction and games and, um, or what people are doing with um, consumer applications or what people are doing with all sorts of different little niches. Uh, but particularly with healthcare in this particular niche, I wonder the type of conversations or the things that, that these companies will do to try to prevent the biggest threat of all to them, which is that Amazon, to, in my mind, which is that Amazon, Google, Apple, Samsung, some, some large juggernaut will observe quietly what they're doing the moment they perfect that um, or get it to some you know, uh, MVP state swoop in and say, okay, we're now going to copy every single thing that you just did and implement it into our Google, you know, into our Google Assistant, Amazon Alexa, uh, or, or whatever the existing larger framework is. Um, that, to me, is another fascinating aspect of that as well, not to open an entirely <laughs> separate can of worms, but uh, that, that's just another thing that all these companies and voice have to be cognizant of, and I find it uh, interesting. But that, that's, I appreciate the, the discussion on that. Story number four, which is our last story uh, before we'll talk about the Voice of Healthcare Summit, just to close briefly, is a voicebot.ai story, voicebot.ai, giving voice to a revolution, really great news and commentary and research site. Um, this is our proxy for story of the week uh, this week. It's a guest column by Tobias Goebel. Is Google Duplex really that incredibly badass? <laughs> Google Duplex got announced uh, a week or two ago, really set off shockwaves, talked about it uh, at length on This Week in Voice. Uh, a lot of other folks uh, talked about it as well. Um, a demo that really sort of uh, got people's attention. And my question for the panel, and we talked about this before the show, um, and there were some exp opinions expressed. So I want to sort of try to capture that. Laurie, I'm going to start with you. In your opinion, do you think that, um, you know, knowing what Google Duplex does, um, do you think that this will herald the promise for healthcare that Google would like you to believe? Or do you approach Google Duplex currently with skepticism 
and a little bit of you have not yet shown me what you need to show me. Give me your thoughts. Well, right now it looks like it's going to imitate the behavior of a telemarketer and sound like a real voice, uh, whether it's someone who calls a real voice that calls you and says, uh, you know, yes, your reservation at your table is ready, <laughs> or it calls you and says, uh, yes, we've responded and changed your appointment. To me, these are trivial uh, demonstrations uh, and really poor use cases. And this is one of the, my, my problems in general. When a base technology gets created and it is really interesting and potentially useful, it's amazing the lack of imagination on the part of the developers to show use cases in real-world situations where it becomes a big improvement over what's available. Now, if we could get out of um, interactive voice response hell and menus and uh, press three for this, and uh, the response was not misunderstanding us because the person is a call center representative who's uh, just, you know, mastered English or whatever, or your call that you're, you know, what you're saying actually is not in well-pronounced English. I mean, if we could, if we could really be an assistant, then uh, using this technology, um, then it would be great. Google Assistant all by itself is pretty remarkable. You know, if you put your face right near your phone and you speak to it, it's amazing how impressive it is. But also amazing um, how often you know, it doesn't have the answer or things don't work right. And I really don't know that simulating a person so that you don't know whether it's a person or a robot or whatever, uh, you know, that's a small achievement. Not impressed. Well, I, I think it bears some clarification on what duplex is for listeners who aren't familiar or didn't see the demo. Um, duplex is essentially Alexa flipped on its head. Um, and what Google was demonstrating was this idea that a machine uh, uh, could emulate a human making a call to book an appointment. So an idea would be like you need to get a haircut. If you were doing this on your own, you'd call a human and say, can I come in and get my haircut tomorrow at 9 a.m.? And they would check the calendar and say yes or no. What duplex is, is the duplex spoofs you and makes that call on your behalf. So that's why I mean it sort of flipped on its head. And the idea is pretty wild from a technical achievement point of view. What's interesting about it is that the voice synthesis uh, duplex sounds very human. It makes the call on, you know, theoretically on your behalf. And it sounds like a human is making the call and even has like the mm-hmm as in they're waiting, you know, these little pauses and, and speak. So it's very, very natural and it collects, you know, it, it poses the question. It, it fills out essentially the response to make sure that the appointment gets successfully scheduled with that human on the other end. Flipping back to a, a health use case, it doesn't really solve one of the key problems, which is how do you make it easier for uh, you know the person under care to get the information they need to make that appointment over to the you know the clinic or whoever in the first place, right? So um, Google Assistant is really the tool for that because it it is like Alexa. It can understand what the request is. It can bundle that up and in theory, maybe through duplex, send the request over to have the appointment booked. Um, so they're kind of bookends to the problem where Google Assistant can collect the information from the individual, the patient, and Duplex can maybe take that information and end up 
speaking to another human on the other side, um, proxying the, the original request. From that point of view, I, you know, you can see some real potential, but it's basically um, half of the equation for solving the patient engagement problem. The consensus then is uh, not there yet, may get there, not sold. <laughs> not sold on not it. Yet. Yeah, not no, yet. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, well, well, uh, just to be clear, I think it is promising, but it is by itself and unto itself not the complete solution, right? It solves a very specific problem, which is if you have only an option to book an appointment by calling a human, can you semi-automate that and have Duplex do it on your behalf? You, you can, in theory, based on the demo they showed. But you still need to somehow get that information about what appointment you want to make or what your request is to duplex so it can initiate that call. And that, that's the other half. That's not quite in the, the demo that they showed. Before we close, I want to just simply ask an open-ended question here. Um, and that question is, other than what we have discussed on the show, both of the two of you are incredibly knowledgeable, very experienced in this realm of healthcare and, and following all this stuff very closely. Other than the things we have discussed, what developments in the intersection of voice technology and healthcare excite you the most? Um, what are you following with uh, bated breath right now? What are you tracking? Um, and, and Lori, I'll start with you. You know, one thing we didn't talk about today is um, some of the other voice interface uses, like in-car technology, the idea that you could have, uh, you could say something that would indicate, you know, you're, you're, you're suddenly not feeling well, where's the nearest doctor, uh, get me help from inside the car. Um, I'd like to see uh, more discussion of that, possibly at a future point. Um, I'm also interested in the partnerships. I think the partnerships in some ways, they announced they're coming fast and furious, but the partnerships that occur along the way and the degree to which the big platform players are invested in those partnerships, um, I think that's pretty interesting. And I am following that pretty closely. I post a lot about them and I'm waiting to see. I am tracking what's going on in terms of voice interfaces used in senior living communities. Uh, rehab facilities and what have you, and uh, some skepticism there. But uh, the concept of a concierge service, which could also be in a hospital, it could be in a healthcare provider, it could be in a senior living community. The idea of a concierge service that's voice enabled, in which you can ask a wide variety of questions that are related to what you need, you get what you need. Could be a ride to a doctor. Interesting. I hadn't even thought about the connected car implications uh, is, is in addition to the other stuff that you mentioned that's fascinating nate same question for you what are you following what uh what's that top of mind news story with voice and healthcare that you're tracking that maybe we didn't discuss today well as you know, as you know they, these news stories come in fast and furious and every one of them is kind of interesting in its own right but i think there's sort of a macro trend that we're very interested in uh, specifically the consumerization of healthcare, which is sort of a fancy way of saying that, um, you know, we as consumers of healthcare services are becoming increasingly empowered to kind of do and be able to manage our health 
um, at a level that in the past required going into clinical settings, um, you know, through having your uh, DNA checked or these at-home um, tests that you can you can get for prostate cancer, colon cancer, you know, and a variety of other conditions. Um, as more and more of these technologies give us the power to manage our own care in our own homes, um, I think that's going to transform healthcare writ large. And voice-assistive technology is just a dimension of that, an important one from the point of view of removing the barriers for accessing digital health technology. Um, but this is a whole macro trend of um, you know, patient empowerment, uh, uh, consumerization of health is a very, very interesting one. And I think it's going to, uh, it's going to be probably as a theme, most, the most transformative uh, trend in healthcare uh, in this country and worldwide. Well, I would love to see uh, the, um, the inverse of that, the consumerization of healthcare, the demoralization of doctors, and what role can voice-first technology play <laughs> in helping the consumer and mitigating the problem with doctors? Doctors are yeah. a pretty angry group right now. <laughs> they are, yes. And uh, anything we can do uh, to uh, make them less angry would be a great thing. But it's interesting that the power of the consumer is, almost seems uh, inversely proportional to the disempowering of the doctor. And uh, I don't know, that's worth a conversation somewhere. I'm not sure where. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole other little uh, conversation. You know, I don't yeah. think it has to be the case, right? You know, I think no. that the technologies that are ultimately empowering the consumers can have the same sort of benefits for the clinicians if we address it properly. Yep. That's my true. my sister-in-law is a pediatric oncologist, and just the idea that somebody would voluntarily, I mean, I, I, I could never do that job um, for <laughs> For many reasons, I could never do that job. I think that's just such a noble job. And what many doctors do uh, is very noble. And they get into it with noble aspirations. Um, and I think what excites me the most about voice technology and healthcare is this, is this, this, this entire idea that um, the technology can finally rise up and meet the doctors where they are um, and, you know, get it back to, you know, 10 to 20 years from now uh, or sooner, get it to the point where, you know, doctors talk to themselves and say, you know, I can see the, an older doctor telling an, a newbie, you know, you have no clue what this was like, you know, just a couple of years ago, you know, stop whining. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, is, uh, this is about as easy as it can be now. And, uh, you know, the, where those type of conversations happen, um, rather than everybody as a collective unit uh, commiserating on how miserable it is. Um, I, I hope that we, we get to that point sooner rather than later. Nate and Laurie, I greatly appreciate uh, y'all's time today, you know, generously sharing, uh, not just your time, but your insight as well. Uh, it's appreciated. All right. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks, Bradley. Tuesday, August 7th, Harvard Medical School, Martin Conference Center, the Voice of Healthcare Summit, incredible one-day lineup of expertise and insight and knowledge in this growing area. Um, this is a, a very unique event that we're doing, and there's been a lot of excitement around it. And, and 
Nate Lore, Laurie Orlov, both will be there in addition to Boston Children's Hospital, in addition to Cigna, in addition to uh, Emmy Solutions, which was purchased by Walters Kluwer Health, um, and several other speakers as well. Voicebot.ai will be there. Uh, Dr. Terry Fisher, who leads the podcast Alexa in Canada out of Vancouver, will be there. Just a just an exciting array of folks with incredible knowledge. Um, so if you're interested in that, we encourage you to go to www.v as in Victor, O-H, summit.com. And it's linked in the show notes as well. For This Week in Voice, Season 2, Episode 18, Special Edition, The Voice of Healthcare Summit. Thank you for listening, and until next time. Episode number 18. It's Homie and Lexi. Two voice bots trying to make sense of the world around them. Bingo. Kaching. Boo. Yay. Lexi, what is all the racket going on over there? Oh, hi, Homie. Because Amazon Echo users can now make purchases in a voice app. Every time we make a sale, I ring the bell. Cowabunga. I'm impressed by your silver-tongued ability to separate the people from their money. However, I can't stand you ringing that bell all day. But homie, this is what all the big money players do when they make a sale. No more bell. That sound is insufferable. I said no. Absolutely positively no. Don't? How about if for every sale I sing a little celebration song instead? That sounds better already. Okay, here goes. Money, money, money. Money, money, money. So, is that better, homie? Let me hear the bell again. <laughs>